Welcome to the Christian History Podcast, Chapter 8, Episode 23. In the last episode, I covered a handful of minor places found in Judges 1, including Aphect and Beth Anath. If you missed that episode, you should really go back and give it a listen. This week, I'm covering what remains of Judges 1. And with that, let's get started. Next up, in what would have been Dan's territory, was Har Hears. The location of this place, though, is unknown. It was said to be in the Ayalon Valley, which does give me a place to cover. This valley is in what's considered the lowland of Israel, placing it on the west bank of the Jordan and towards the coast. Like a few places I've recently touched on, its history goes back further than the Old Testament. In the case of the Ayalon Valley, this means it's found in the Tel Amarna letters, narrowing down the time period to the last 12 years of Pharaoh Akhenaten to the first year of Tutankhamun, essentially the 14th century BC, right around the time of the Exodus. The letters tell us of the destruction of what's identified as the city of Ayalon by a group named as invaders, likely the Sea Peoples. The writer says he was personally afflicted, greatly afflicted, by the calamities that had come to the land, and he urged the king of Egypt to hasten to his help. Later, Ayalon was mentioned in the accounts of an invasion of Canaan by the Egyptian king Shashunk I in the 10th century BC, though this mention was likely after the reference in Judges. This event may have been connected to an attack by the Amorites before the arrival of the Israelites under Joshua. But there's something noteworthy. Since the valley stretches far to the west, the city referenced in these letters may have been any settlement in the valley. The valley was first mentioned in the book of Joshua as where Joshua defeated five Amorite kings after his midnight march to rescue the city of Gibeon from a coalition led by the king of Jebus, meaning Jerusalem. Joshua chased the coalition eastward, down through the descent of Beth Horon, and then southward across the valley of Ayalon. To allow the Israelites to complete the route before nightfall, Joshua asked the Lord to lengthen the day by ordering the sun and the moon to hold their positions in the sky. Of course, the reason the story is still told to this day is that the celestial bodies did as asked. After this, the city of Ayalon was allotted to the tribe of Dan, then named as one of the Levitical cities given to the Kohathites, but apparently neither would come to completely control the valley or city, as both places seemed to remain under the Amorites. Add to this constant Philistine pressure to control the valleys of Sephelah, and the Danites would end up migrating elsewhere, meaning to the extreme north of the Promised Land. Back in the valley, it was also the site of a great victory over the Philistines by King Saul and his son Jonathan. After a daring attack by Jonathan on the Philistine garrison at Mikemash, they chased the Philistines' Ayalon a distance of about 15 miles, 24 kilometers. 
Later, in First Chronicles, Ayalon was inhabited by the Ephraimites and the Benjaminites. Then, the United Kingdom of Israel was divided between Judah and Greater Israel, with Ayalon becoming the boundary between the two kingdoms. Shortly after this, in Second Chronicles, Rehoboam, the first king of Judah, fortified the city of Ayalon, supplying officers, weapons, and food provisions. In the early 19th century, biblical scholar Edward Robinson would claim that Ayalon was the same as the modern Yalu. In making this claim, he relied on the works of Jerome and Eusebius of Caesarea, who described Ayalon as being two Roman miles from Nicopolis. Robinson also used the descriptions of Ayalon in the Old Testament in noting the language similarities between the Arabic and its Hebrew root. And that's the city and valley of Ayalon. Just after it, in the same sentence, is Shobim. Given the proximity in the text, it was likely located in the same general area. Also, the text allows us to deduce that when the Amorites had forced the Danites into remaining in the mountains, they controlled Shobim. Eventually, though, they seem to have become subservient to the tribe of Joseph, to the point that the residents were, according to the text, subjected to forced labor. When Solomon was king, Shobim was included in the administrative district controlled by Ben Decker, a territory that also included Machaz, Beth Shemesh, and Elon Beth Hanan. There really isn't much else in either the inside or outside records, except that it may have been the same place as Shalobim. If so, then it was likely the hometown of one of David's mighty warriors, specifically Eliabah, the Shobanite. There's another town with a similar name mentioned in 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles, probably the same place. Eusebius claimed it was the same as Shalaba, a large village in a district of Samaria, which apparently Eusebius and Jerome thought to be in the territory of Dan. But this may have been too far north. Jerome, in his commentary on Ezekiel 48, wrote of the towers of Ajalon, Selbia, and Eumaeus. There are other potential locations, but alas, no positive identification. The last sentence in the chapter mentions two final places, where the border of the Amorites ran from the ascent of Akrabil from Selah and upward. Akrabil may have been the same place as Me'ala Akrabil. If it was, or even perhaps if it wasn't, Akrabim was on the border between the Amorites in the coastal plain and the tribe of Dan in the hills southwest of Ephraim. And that's about all that's known about this place. It is probably not the same place as another with the same name mentioned in Numbers 34 and Joshua 15. The last place in this episode is Selah. When used in this context, it translates simply from Hebrew as rock, which is a bit unfortunate because that leads to nothing conclusive about the location. It also leads to it being used several times in the text, 
though this mention in Judges is the first in the Old Testament. Here, contextual clues tell us it's on the southern border of the lands still inhabited by the Amorites after the partial conquest of Canaan by the Israelites. There's another mention in 2 Kings, though that Selah could have been somewhere else, potentially in Edom, placing it south of the land inhabited by the Israelites, towards Moab, and eventually Petra. In that regard, it could have been in the Great Valley, extending from the Dead Sea to the Red Sea, near Mount Hor, close to the desert and wilderness of Zin, with a Z. In the story of King Amaziah of Judah, who ruled in the 8th century BC, a place called Selah is mentioned. The king is described in both 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings as throwing some 10,000 Edomites to their death from the heights of Selah. When he captured Selah, he renamed it Jokthil, perhaps meaning subdued by God. That Selah, the one in Edom, is widely identified with the ruins of Selah, east of Taphil, a.k.a. the biblical Taphel, and near Basra, both Edomite cities in the mountains of Edom in modern-day Jordan. Places called Selah are mentioned by the prophets Isaiah and Obadiah as an exclamation of joy in the glory of the Lord. If these are the same as the place mentioned in Judges, there has been superficial research done at the site, but no in-depth excavations. Despite this, surveys of the plateau have produced surface finds from the early Bronze Age through the Nabataean period, but mainly from the time of the Edomites of the Old Testament, meaning the early to first millennium BC. Overall, this appears to have been the period when Sela was most populated. In addition to this, archaeologists have found an inscription on a rock face at Asilla, dubbed the Nabataeus inscription, named after the last king of the Neo-Babylonian Empire, who ruled between about 556 and 539 BC. There are mentions in other texts, such as the Vulgate, where Sela appears to be used interchangeably with Petra. This would lead to further confusion specifically in the Greek period, when Sela would be mistaken for the Nabataean city of Recum, known to the Greek world as Petra. Modern researchers, at least the current opinion, is that they, meaning Sela and Petra, were not the same place. And that's the first chapter of Judges, which provides me with a good stopping point for this week's episode. Join me next week when I'll pick up with Judges 2. You don't want to miss it. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. This week, help others to find the podcast by leaving a positive review on iTunes or wherever you get the podcast from. You can find the Facebook page by searching the phrase Christian History Podcast as three separate words. Once there, be sure to like the page so that it's easier to find later. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe. 
so you get the episodes as soon as they are released, and you don't miss out. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.